just let it be, <clears throat> I was just reading this morning in uh, Romans 15 where Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Without him, we can do nothing. So surrender, and I just decided finally to cooperate with what God wanted to do. And that's for all of us. Just cooperating with him. He does the rest. I was telling Pastor Jeff during the week that I think I, what I want to speak on this morning, I think I changed it like three times. Is it this angle? Is it that angle? And um, just some, some things the Spirit's been impressing upon me. And uh, it was about faith. And I just kind of landed. I really believe God wants to do something special here this morning. I just have felt this all week. Just, not that other times, but he, for 2020, 2020, where is our faith level and where will it take us as individuals and as a church? And if there's a definition, sometimes we think of faith, I think the best definition I read was Jim Simmel in his book on fresh faith. He said, what is, you know, what is faith? Do I got to muster this up? How, do, how does this work? And basically, it's, it's the Spirit of God impressing upon us things. So it's starting with God. It's not starting with us. It's starting from Him. He's impressing things to us in the Spirit. And, just, and again, let it be clear, we're thinking God, we know God the Father is there, but God the Holy Spirit is inside of us. That's how close this is. He's right here. And so when he impresses things on us and we cooperate with what he wants to do, that's faith. It's not something you have to muster up. I need more faith. Well, we're going to see this morning, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, more of the word of God in me is going to allow me to recognize those impressions that the Holy Spirit is trying to make upon my life. And he's doing that to all of our lives. He's doing that to you right now. He's speaking to you, and he's trying to get us to a place where, trust me, this position that I'm in now, he can testify, it's like the last thing I wanted to do only because of what happened in the past, and I didn't want to put myself in a position of being in leadership and going through what I went through. So that part of it was a healing process, but also it was the enemy also trying to fight me. And um, I know God used it in my life to bring me along to that place. And now, um, you know, by faith I follow, follow what he says to do. I'm just doing what he tells me to do as you do what he tells you to do. This is... This is what you do is what you do for God, and what I do is what I do, and you'll be rewarded the same as me. There's no, there's no difference, just obeying what he's saying to do. And so this, this whole thing on faith, I want to um, go to, in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers. That's after, uh, it's after Leviticus. Book of Numbers, chapter... 
I think we would all admit this morning that none of us here has arrived. We haven't arrived spiritually. We're all in different places and we're moving forward the best we can. We can't, we can't stay pat. We can't stay in the same place. God is always, the Spirit is always moving us forward for what He wants to accomplish. He wants us, us to have greater faith. He wants me to have greater faith. And is there anything impossible with God? No. God, that he's in the business of doing the impossible. He's in the business of doing things in our life that are impossible so that he gets the glory and not us. And, and so it's all for his glory, all that we do. If it's for your glory, it won't last. It'll just fizzle out. And so... What I want to, the title of what I want to speak on this, this morning is there's no going back there. And what I mean by that is there's no going back. Some people do go back, and maybe this is something for the church today that maybe some of you are here physically, but mentally you're not here. In the spiritual minds, you're not here. Or you're on the precipice of stepping over the line and going back, and we're going to see going back to Egypt. Egypt is a form of the world, going back there. In God's eyes, and his desire for us is there's no going back. You read the stories of the Roman Empire, when they invaded a country, the soldiers in the ships went on land, went into the, the highest plateau, and the commanders would say, now look down and the ships would all be burning. In other words, you're not going back. There's no going back. You're here to move forward. If you have that mentality, and, and you know, maybe that's what God's going to do in our life this morning, is like making a commitment that I'm making a purpose, I'm making a commitment today, I'm not going back to where I came from. You may be inching a little bit towards that, and thinking, and we're going to see, it's nothing new. The children of Israel did the same thing. So the Exodus is a story. It's a classic story of a people, of how people respond to change. Nothing's changed in, in, in man. We, we still are the same, the human flesh, human nature. The Israelites were slaves. They were abused and starved. Their made, made, male babies were taken. And all Israel prayed for for over 400 years, the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, deliver us from Pharaoh in Egypt. That was their prayer. Deliver us. Get us out of here. And so we're going to see what happens when God gets them out of there and how they respond. So here they are. Exodus. God opens the Red Sea. They go through, three million of them. They turn around, they see Pharaoh coming, and this Red Sea just closes in on them. He delivers them. And so, as what's God doing? He's moving them towards the promised land. He's moving us towards our promised land. Heaven is our final promised land, but there's a promised land for you today that God has that's going to take faith for you to get there. I can't do it for you. I can encourage you. I can pray for you. But you have to take the steps of faith to get to where God wants you to be. 
because it's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's the best land that we could possibly have. And yet here we are. I don't want that. I don't want to do that. Uh, this is better where I am. And that's just the way the Egyptians were. I mean, just the way Israel was as they were coming out of Egypt. So Numbers 13. So now they're, they're, at, they're right where the promised land is. And, this is. and Moses is talking to them in verse 1, chapter 13. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Send men that they may search the land of Canaan. Canaan is the promised land, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe, their fathers shall send a man, every one a ruler. Then down to verse 17, excuse me, 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. Moses called Oshua, the son of Nun, Joshua, and there was Caleb. Verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get up to the southward and go up into the mountains and see the land that I'm going to give you and the people that dwell there, whether they are strong or weak, few or many. And what land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad? And what cities there be that they dwell in, whether they be strongholds? Verse 20, in what land is there, whether it be fat or lean? So they went into the land, they came back with a cluster of grapes. Now we're down to verse 25. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran and to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people are strong that dwell on the land, and the cities are wild and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak, and the children of Anak are the, are the descendants of Goliath. So these are big people that are in the land. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and Canaanites dwell by the sea. Verse 30, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report from the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel. The land through which we have gone to search is a land that eats up its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So they come up. There's no way that we're able to do this. We're no different. We get in situations, and it's like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to overcome this. Because what happens, we're walking by sight, not by faith. It's our bent. We're taught in our culture to, not, not saying we don't use our brain, but we think and then we look at the odds and we go, there's no way this is going to happen. There's no way that they should be able by sight to be able to take the land. But God is saying, and Caleb and Joshua, the only two out of those 12 that are in there, we are more than able to take this. Those were words of faith. Well, that, that doesn't sound very practical. 
that doesn't sound very intelligent, what they're going to do. It's only because God said to go do it. And when he says to go do it, we do it. That's what he's looking for, obedience. That's right, you can't do it, but I can. And so, here the children of Israel, they're delivered out of Egypt. God created everything in seven days, delivered his different servants. We've seen it through the Bible over time. But that was then, this is now, it can't help me now. This is a nice Bible story, but this isn't going to help me in my situation right now. Oh, yes, it is. Because it's still the promises of God. And it doesn't fail. My prayer this morning for myself and for you, that God takes us to a whole new level in our faith. If you're in a situation right now, and it looks like there's no way out by sight, oh, there's a way out, and God's the way out, and is believing him. Sometimes you feel guilty when God does, blesses you, and for some of you, he blesses you, and you feel humbled by it, and you, and you feel almost guilty, but the fact is, you're a person of faith. That's why God does that. You believe, and sometimes when we don't believe, he still, by grace, gives us something, but it's still, he honors people with, who have faith. And he uses people that have faith. If we don't have faith, does he still use it? God works with us. Trust me. He, 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 as long as you are willing, he's able to bring you to the place where he wants to bring you. What, what did Jesus say? If you have faith of a mustard seed, you could move a mountain. And again, it's not us mustering up in our self-effort, this faith. It's opening ourselves up to God and the spirit within us and what he's impressing on us and responding and cooperating. And watch what he can do. And sometimes you don't, I know for myself, how does that work? How do I recognize that? A lot of times it's just trial and error. You do something, you step out and do something, and you go, whoa, I guess that was God. And you begin to recognize that. And you put that into practice. And you keep trying. You may step down in faith that you thought and something fell through and it didn't work out. Well, I'm not going to do that again. No. You pick yourself up. You keep moving forward. And you begin to recognize how God works. That was then and this is now. Nothing is impossible with God. We may say, but you don't understand my situation. No, you don't understand our God. He's able to do the impossible. This thing got kind of triggered when, when Mike was speaking and he was talking about the woman in, in Kenya that was, who died and he prayed over her and, and she came alive again. You have to believe that God can do those kind of things. He can do the impossible. He can heal you of, of your diseases. He can, yes, and everything is according to his will, but I believe he can do it. And it may be not my timing. It's his timing. And I can accept if it's not his will. Sometimes I don't even know, but I pray in faith. 
believing that God is able to do those things. Hebrews 3.12 Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Evil heart of unbelief. He's talking to the believers. When we begin to depart from God, God wants us, his goal is to have us on that cutting edge of faith and to believe and to pray and to trust him. Matthew 19, 26 but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen? This was Jesus. He was depending on his Father when he was here. All things are possible when you believe. So I believe and I pray for something, but also it's not guaranteed but I know the possibility is there for God to do it because I don't really know his will a lot of times what he wants to do. He may want to heal somebody. He may want to take them home early. I don't know. But you still pray, pray believing he can do it. So God had defeated Pharaoh's army. Like I said, three million people to feed and clothe. For one year, he had him out in the wilderness, a cloud by day and fire by night. What? At nighttime, they're, fi they're following fire, and during the day, they're following the cloud. God has a way for us. He's going to show us where to go and how to do it. He's got ways of doing it. He's leading three million people to the promised land. He's fed them. And it's interesting, you know, um, one person said, you have to get out of Egypt to get to the promised land. And Egypt in our life is the world. It's the world system. It's the world's way of thinking. It's how the world does things. That's what's affecting your faith. You go to doctors and they'll say, well, sorry, we can't, whatever. And in your mind you're going, God can. There isn't anything God can't do. The question is, we, we, we know this in our brain and we say these words, but Jesus can tell, do you really believe it? Do you really believe this? And I can do the impossible. It took two days to get the Jews out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. It may take a lot to get the world out of you, but that's God's plan. He's still working on me. He's still working on you. You're thinking the world's way. You're thinking... You're thinking human reasoning. Well, you have to use your brain. Yeah, there's a point where you use your brain, but then where does God step in to do the impossible? What happens? Stubbornness, rebellion, prevents change. God is trying to shake us to the place where there's change in our life. See, what happens is we think we know God is love. We know God's grace has saved us. And we know that God always loves us. But when we get to the harder scriptures, we think, that's not really love. It's like with your children. You love them, 
But you're displeased with them at times and the things that they do. doesn't mean I stop loving them. That's the way it is with God and us. He's not pleased with some of the things that we do as believers. But what we do is we soft pedal on belief. We just get to the place where, ah, it's no big deal. It's a big deal with God. Because he's saying, you don't believe me? I mean, we read in the scriptures that Jesus could not do miracles in certain places because of their unbelief. The Israelites could have been content to live in the past, but for the barrier of the Red Sea. So then you go over to chapter 14. After they came back with this report, verse 1, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Oh my goodness! We can't go into that land. They're crying and weeping. Here's Caleb and Joshua. We're more than able to do this. But they're crying and they're weeping. In verse 2, And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, I wish to God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? We're not better that we return to Egypt. And they said one to another, let's make a captain and let us return to Egypt. God delivered them from Pharaoh and Egypt. An evil report comes back from those ten, and in their mind, let's go back to where we came from. It was better there. We laugh at that, but that, that runs through a lot of people's minds, a lot of Christians' minds, Wow, I got saved, and I'm in a church, and, in church, and well, I don't know. I think it was better off where I was before. Are you kidding me? Have you forgot where you came from? Have you, have you forgot where you, were, where you were delivered from? Holy Spirit, give me my memory back to remember how I lived before and what you pulled me out of. And I want to go back there. The Egyptians were slaves. Yeah, we want to go back there and be slaves again. It doesn't make sense, does it? But that's what happens when your faith is small. Because what God was doing is he was testing them. We're going into the promised land, but look what's ahead of you. I just delivered you through the Red Sea. You don't think I can able to take down those giants? You don't think he's able to take down the giants in your life? He could bring them down in a moment. What we think is, this, this can never happen. God says, watch. Watch what I can do. I've seen that, and I know you've seen that. But he wants to raise our faith level even more. What's possible with God? They didn't go back, not because they didn't go back like they planned to go back because they were so spiritual and they stayed there. They couldn't go back because God closed the Red Sea. There is no going back. You think you want to go back there? Go ahead, try. I'm not going to open the Red Sea for you. 
We laugh, but it's a, it's a serious thing when, when backsliding begins in a person's life, they're moving closer to going back to Egypt. They're moving little at a time. You can see it. Oh, I don't want to say nothing. I don't want, I'm, I don't want to be judgmental. I don't know. If I was doing that, I hope someone would come and rescue me. And we have that kind of relationship with people where we care enough to talk and to help. Well, it's none of my business. Yeah, and then they're back in Egypt. And sometimes, sometimes they never come back. And that's us. I want to go back. It could be a physical return or it could be a mental return. You're here, but you're not here. That's scary, isn't it? People are saying the words, the Christian words. They're sitting in a seat. They're here, but they're really not here. And, and that's, that's Egypt. That's the threat to our lives. Listen to some people, maybe some of you younger people, listen to people who've been around a while. They'll tell you, there's nothing back there that's going to satisfy you anymore. It's not going to be the same. You enjoyed sin when you were lost. If you're saved and you're going to go back and sin, the Holy Spirit's inside of you, and it's not the same. You're going to feel the presence of God, and you're not going to enjoy the sin like you did before. It's there's nothing worse sometimes than to be with a backslidden Christian who's away from God. They're miserable. Well, yeah, they should be miserable because they're out of God's will. Luke 9:62. Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, God wants you moving forward, not looking back. Lot's wife looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. Don't look back. There is no going back. He's rescued us from what's back there. Where would you be now if it wasn't for God? Where would you be? You'd be where some people are right now, and that's why we need to have compassion and grace towards them, because, but by the grace of God, here we are, and there they are, and that's where you would be. Oh, I can't believe those people did those types of things. They're doing those types of things. Are you kidding me? I've said it a million times. I'm capable of doing anything, just like you are if you admit it. Put in the right situation, in the right circumstances, that I make those choices, bang, I'd be right there. Thank you, God, for your grace, and thank you for your spirit, but also thank you, Lord, that I can recognize your voice and respond and cooperate with you. That's our responsibility. Second point, quit longing for the good old days. The past was great. Forget If you thought it was great, forget it. If bad, forget it. It's gone forever. 
Israel, three, three million left, crossed the Red Sea. 72 hours later, in Exodus 15, you don't have to turn there, 72 hours later, they were complaining. This, this water isn't good. We're no different. God, God does something for us, and immediately we forget it, and we start complaining about something. It's human nature. It just shows you the children of Israel, us, were, our flesh is capable of anything. And here they were complaining against God, and so it was God who brought them in Exodus 15 to the bitter waters. He brought them to that place. Sometimes he brings us to the place of bitter waters so that we can see what's really inside of us. He already knows, so he wants us to see what's really inside of us and what's really going on. So when he does that, how you respond to that determines a whole lot. You can deny it and say, no, that's not true. I'm not listening to that. Or... You humble yourself. And God gives grace to the humble. God, God's got us covered on every side. He loves us. And he's working with us. And it doesn't matter what you've done or how many times you fall. The thing is, are you, are you trying to move forward? Are you desperate for God? You could tell, there's people you, I talk to, and it's just like, no matter what they've been through, they're still not desperate for God. They're not. You can watch by their actions. They're not desperate for God. I mean desperate. Like, there's nothing else. This is the only way. I've got to do this. They've always got side doors to go out of. They've got ways to deal with things. They, they're not desperate. Because what happens is when, it, when things don't happen for them, what do they do? Basically, they indict God saying, how come he didn't help me in this? It's not, it's not his fault, it's you. You're not desperate enough. He could tell in your heart, you know, what does it say in 2 Corinthians 7? People have human sorrow. It's not godly sorrow. It's sorrow that they're in a mess. You see that a lot with people, um, maybe with substance use problems. It's like, I used to see that working for the state. It was like, Okay, this person's at the end of themselves. Not really. They still got to go down more. You're saying, how low do they have to go? I don't know. All I know is, if you're desperate for God and cry out, he'll help you. But what they do is say, oh, I am desperate for God, but he's not helping me. Doesn't work that way. Mark 4.40. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Fear are like opposites. Our first reaction is fear. And Jesus is saying faith. They're in the boat, the storm's going on. We're going to die. Jesus is in the boat with them. God, Jesus, God, in the boat with them. We're going to die. Jesus sitting back there, pillow on his head, sleeping. Oh, okay, yeah, calm the sea. Fear, he goes, where's your faith? I mean, sometimes you like to like, hit your head against the wall, say, what's wrong with me? 
Like, why, why do I think this way? Why don't I not? It's just, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. When, brought, when God brings you to the bitter waters, don't say, why did you let this happen to me? That's what we do. Why am I in this mess, and why is this happening to me? There must be something wrong with me. Well, no, sometimes God is just trying to show you something about yourself. See, God is not sentimental. He doesn't, he doesn't have this softy, touchy love stuff. He gets right to the root because he cares about us. He's not going to soft pedal stuff with us. It's like, okay, you're going to get it this time? And sometimes you have to come around and around and around until you get it. And God is, God is gracious and he's merciful to do that. Because he's, he's got a plan for our lives. I can't be on the same timetable that you are with God. You can't be on the same timetable that I am with, vice versa, because your life is totally different. What you've been through is totally different. So God has to work some people say, well, what's wrong with them? How come they're not doing this? It's like, are you kidding me? You don't even know what's going on in their life and what it's going to take for them to get there. That's why God's the only one who can judge people because he knows every detail. Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Doesn't say he doesn't love us. He's just not pleased by how we're operating. You're not going to turn to Exodus 16. They complained and murmured. They wanted the Egyptian food. And what does God do? He gives them grace and sends manna from heaven. Are you kidding me? That's how gracious God is. They're complaining and we want this, we want that. He gives them manna from heaven. We're thinking, oh God, why don't you just kill them all? God doesn't operate that way. He still has grace and mercy for us. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? One person said, God will take your well-ordered, predictable, boring life and turn it upside down just to get your attention. That's what he does. Because he loves us. To us, it seems, this doesn't seem like love. Sometimes it's tough love. Just like when you have to discipline your children, sometimes it hurts you inside, but it's just like, you know, it needs to be done. And that's how he deals with us. Right and wrong thinking, battle for the mind, carnal reasoning versus spiritual thinking, it's about doing God's way as opposed to your way. Following him, that's all Jesus was saying in the Gospels, follow me. Follow me. Follow my way. Follow me. He didn't, he didn't, have to, he didn't give a whole bunch of explanations. He just goes, follow me. That's all he's saying to us, follow me. You pray and you read his word. Oh, follow me. This is what I'm saying. Here's what you're thinking. But your thoughts 
You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 10, casting down vain thoughts and imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Casting down those human wisdom thoughts and start thinking with me. If you think with him, you can't lose. The verse in 1 Corinthians 2.5 that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Think about that. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. God may lead you into something and someone with human wisdom is going to go, I don't think that's the right thing for you to do. Jesus said, when Peter said, what's going to happen with John? Jesus said, what is that to you? Follow me. It's none of our business what he's doing in someone's life, but by human wisdom, we want to think, that doesn't make any sense. Walking by faith a lot of times doesn't make sense to the human mind. Why would someone... Go to Nepal. Why would someone do that? You know, and be a missionary. Human wisdom doesn't accept that. In Exodus 13, God didn't lead them the shorter way through the Philistine country, He took them the long way. Okay, 40 days you were in the land. You came back with an evil report. You're worried about dying by the giants in there. Because of your unbelief, you're going to wander for every day a year. You're wandering for 40 years. You're not going into the land. Your kids are going in. Doesn't mean they weren't saved or they weren't believers, but there was, there was consequences to their unbelief. Imagine, I mean, wow, that's not very loving of God. No, he, he's concerned about unbelief. You come back with an evil report, I told you I can take the land, and now, because Caleb and Joshua saw by eyes of faith, they didn't, you're going to wander for 40 years. You're all going to die off. Your kids are going in with Joshua and Caleb, and Caleb was 80 when they went in. Hallelujah for old age. <laughs> He's never finished. <laughs> Praise Jesus. You don't have to understand to obey. And I had some examples here. Elijah with the 12 barrels of uh, water. He put it around the, the sacrifices that the other people were making. He wetted it. God came down, lit it on fire with the fire. Peter, we need a coin. Go fish, and there's going to be a coin in that fish's mouth. And it's going to pay for the taxes. God does the impossible. David, you're going to fight Goliath, and here's a slingshot. He's 10 foot tall, probably about 490 pounds, and you're going to throw that thing, and he's got a steel helmet on, but it's going to hit him right where it, it has to hit him. That's what God does. He does the impossible. Amen? It never stops. He's not done. 
He's got more to do. <laughs> God provided them bread from heaven. They said, we want fish, cucumbers, and melons. We want what we had in Egypt. We want that stuff. We don't want that manna from heaven. We're already sick of it. Isn't that us, though? I remember back then, and here, God was angry with them. He kept providing for them. Be careful when you start criticizing. Don't look back over your shoulder at Egypt. You can't go home again. I'm just telling you, you can't go home. If you're a believer, you're thinking of going back, there's nothing there for you. There's no pleasure like there was before. There's misery. We have to, that has to be settled within us. Wrestling with the giants, I'm not going to go there, but Numbers 13, the ultimate test. The ultimate test comes right before the victory. Giants in the land. He's going to give him victory, but the ultimate test comes right at the end. Giants in the, giants in the land. How are we going to do this? Don't be hypnotized by the familiar. Let me say that again. Don't be hypnotized by, with familiarity. Oh, yeah, I've seen this before. I've been in church a long time. Are you kidding? God can do anything. He can do anything in our lives. The question is, do we want to cooperate with what he wants to do? Think about it. Does it make any sense why we wouldn't want to cooperate with God who knows everything? He's all-powerful. He loves us like no one else. Why won't we cooperate with him? It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. The flesh, where it's pride, and there's fear, and then there's the enemy. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to the Holy Spirit. I got a better way for you. That's what the demonic world tells you. They lie to you. Be free from the familiarity of Egypt. Give Satan no ground. You'll hear voices calling you out to come back. But the voice within you will say nothing's impossible. You may have issues in your life that for some reason they just don't go away and you want to give up. It's like, I'm a Christian. Why am I still struggling with this? How come? I just want to tell you this morning to hang in there. You stay, you stay with God. Because God is working something inside of you to get you delivered. And it's in his timing. And don't lose faith. I wonder, how can I still be tempted in that area? Are you kidding me? There's some things that, that are there, probably the results of sin, scars, and it, those, those things are there. It's just like, God, I need you even more. It's by your grace. He didn't say, we're not going to be perfect. We're forgiven already. 
and we're not going to walk in our walk in this faith perfectly. Oh, I made a mistake. I'm never going to do that again. That's my wife. We went to China. It was like I'm never coming back here. Seriously, pack the bags. We, we agreed. We're going there. And for whatever was in God's plan, he just turned it right around in his timing and brought us back. And then to cross paths with Pastor Jeff and to, and to do things I never thought I would ever want to do again. But you know something? If it doesn't break you, it makes you stronger. Whatever it is, you've got to just stay in there. In 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Lord Jesus, you see all of our hearts. You know us better than anyone. Lord, we, we make a pledge to you this morning, the best that we can, that we never want to go back. We want to move forward with you, God. Oh, God, Holy Spirit, would you instill us with a fresh filling of your faith? We will cooperate with you, Lord, in the things you want to do in our lives. And thank you, God. Lord, move in a powerful way. Move in this church. Move in our lives, God. Lord, do the impossible. Deliver, set free, heal. We're here to you, to you, with you this morning, God. We're desperate for you. You have rescued our lives, God. Help us never to forget that. We love you this morning, Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Where you pulled us from, oh God, protect us from, the, protect us from Egypt. Protect us from the, the voice that wants to call us back on. Lord, we're asking you this morning, we're asking a blessing from you, a gracious, merciful blessing. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that just needed to move forward and not look back, I pray that they would have assurance in their heart right now, God, that you're hearing that and their life will be different. Thank you, God. Thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you that you care about each one of us. Lord, let 2020 be a decade of faith for all of us, God, as we, as we hear your voice, Holy Spirit, and we respond. And it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. 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 Praise Jesus. <laughs>